0: Figure facts for life. We just want you to be healthy, health and happiness. If you pay attention to what goes in your body, you'll be amazed at the results. Fuel, nourish, and heal your body. Eating healthy, well, well, that's everything. Put the right fuel in. Take care of
1: your engine. Here's Roberta. Here's Roberta Janeiro. Roberta Janeiro. Welcome to Figure Facts for Life podcast. I'm your host, Roberta Janeiro. I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist here in Chicago with over 30 years of clinical nutrition experience. I am committed to share my expertise with you and the wisdom of other health professionals to empower you to live to your full potential. My focus is to communicate the power within the foods that you choose and that you are able to tap into how to optimally fuel, nourish, and heal your bodies. I'm really thrilled to kick off National Nutrition Month That's the month of March, and I am excited to share with you some of the wisdom that comes from understanding how to fuel your body. Thank you for joining me today. We have a great show lined up. Let me give you just a little background on National Nutrition Month. It has been a focus of the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics for, gosh, I want to say over 20 years. And we are excited this year to really not have a theme. So, With the show, I can dictate whatever theme I want for this month, but the focus is optimal nutrition. Now today, we're going to be speaking with Dr. Valencia Ray. Dr. Ray is dubbed a science with soul, mind-body physician, who has a truly holistic lifestyle approach to general health, vitality, and well-being. Her focus is on autoimmune conditions, inflammatory diseases, Thyroid disorders, menopausal hormone imbalances, and getting you back into balance, pre diabetic syndrome, and type 2 diabetes. She helps also with stress reduction, weight loss, nutrition, and lifestyle. And with that, I want to thank you for being here, Dr. Ray. Welcome. Hi,
0: good morning. Good morning.
1: Good morning. morning. So, now listen. We um, connected yesterday, and we were kind of going over some of the main points we wanted to get across in this podcast, and one of them I really feel strong about, and that is we need to research as uh, consumers the physicians that we entrust our health to. Would you agree?
0: Uh, Oh, yes. It really does matter, all physicians are not trained the same, and in order to really come into the 21st century and catch up with the latest research in the gut-brain you know, microbiome connection between food and health and disease, et cetera, I've had to actually be retrained, and um, while The traditional physician certainly is trained in the basic uh, processes of biochemistry. You really will need to learn food as medicine and understand mind-body connection and how stress affects the body and more practical applications of that biochemistry education that we've had.
1: Right. Um, what What recommendations would you give to our listeners about... How to identify a physician that has that whole mind body approach to medicine?
0: Well, frankly, you're going to have to interview that physician or understand um, information that that physician may supply through their website, you know, et cetera. If there is nothing that stands out that's different from your traditional, Insurance referred physician. Chances are they're doing traditional medicine, which has its positive points. Certainly, if you are have been in an acute emergency situation, you have you know an inflamed uh, gallbladder or appendicitis. You know, our system is great for those acute emergencies, Absolutely. and it has a role uh, to play in having people maybe with their acute symptoms. But if you're really looking to Transform to reverse disease, to prevent disease, uh, the physician will have to be again you know trained in that, so th- there will be a need to either have a referral to that physician that you know about from maybe a friend or uh, neighbor, or actually again being able to find out where is that physician on the spectrum of traditional allopathic medicine to the uh, more cutting edge functional medicine approach.
1: Right. And to tie this into National Nutrition Month and why we're focusing on um the choice of your physician is that before you know, you embark on changing the way you're eating, uh, you really just need to kind of like when you take your car in for a checkup, um, if you're having some engine knocks or you haven't been to a physician in in a year or two, it's time to go in and get a full blood screen done where they look at all levels of different, um, compounds in your blood and they make sure that you are healthy or if they identify something that's going wrong, you know, I just hope and pray that the first, um, recommendation they're making is to a dietitian. If, for example, your blood pressure, your blood pressure is a little high or your blood sugar is peaking a little bit over normal. Let's look at the diet first. And then if we're not able to make some headway, um, you know, move to medication. Obviously, if the numbers, the blood pressure is off the charts, you're going to have to um, make an adjustment um, and maybe go on medication and then make those nutritional adjustments and then come off the medication when it's no longer needed. But let's move to, um, you know, now you've identified a physician and, you know, you're happy with that physician. Let me just have you share a little bit about your journey and how you ended up being a mind-body physician because you started out as, as an eye surgeon, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Correct.
0: Well, let me real quickly, 30 seconds, just address everything you you just said in a nutshell is while you can go get your annual exam and you should because you can be screened for things, some basic things, Mm -hmm. the lab work that they do is not going to cover everything a functional medicine doctor would be looking for for preventative uh, preventative care for one thing and sometimes uh, just as a heads up the parameters used, let's say, for thyroid disease, uh, there is controversy as to what those limits are. And in the traditional system, it tends to run, you know, higher than what we now realize is signs of thyroid dysfunction. So so if you were like me, for example, you were told mm-hmm. and the numbers would show, oh, totally normal, everything. But there were little things that I knew from my training that were off base. And so, you know, I went on to pursue it through my functional medicine and did find imbalances that I had to correct, which, by the way, food is often one of the ways you can correct some of these imbalances, and no, you don't have to necessarily jump straight on to medications. Right. So, that being said, the physician and the initial visit in the first place is going to matter whether or not you ever get referred to a dietician or not, because as a general rule, in a tr- as a, tr- a physician in the traditional world of medicine, we aren't trained well at all in nutrition and it is not the first point of touch for them in general. Usually medication is the first point. So I just want to make that clear. You know what, that is a really
1: good point because I have had experiences with some women that have had thyroid issues and I've recommended um, a little bit more detailed thyroid panel and I've actually been told we don't do that. So it does matter who you select as a physician again and know that the physicians that are functional medicine physicians, is that the terminology we should be looking for?
0: Generally, yes, because Mm -hmm. the word integrative is too broad. I use the word integrative functional because I integrate mind with body. Okay. Uh, And it's not that everything about the old system is terrible. That's correct. So there may be aspects that I integrate into it. But then uh, that doesn't necessarily, just because a physician is saying integrative, does not mean they're trained in functional medicine at all. Okay, So uh, functional medicine I use as the... um, Line in the sand, so to speak, because you really would have to be retrained to practice functional medicine, and it's it is integrated with what you know, okay, okay. but it's still this new level of understanding uh, food at the biochemical level and at the uh, a level that literally affects genetics,
1: okay, uh, so genetic
0: expression, I should put it that way, so
1: is there an organization that our listeners can refer to to identify? a physician that looks at, will look at them the way you look at your clients and your patients.
0: Sure. And then I also just will quickly address your a question about, you know, how did I come to go to, from being an ophthalmologist to functional medicine? Right. And I'll weave that into what you just asked about where would they go? Well, the, the uh, Institute of Functional Medicine is where I was retrained and is has been around 25 to 30 years, about 30 years, and they are the organization that is in partnership with the one uh, nationally recognized medical center that has finally gotten on board with functional medicine, which is the Cleveland Clinics. Uh, the Cleveland Clinics, we are re, uh, they're referring their physicians to be trained through IFM, which is Institute of Functional Medicine. And if you went to the IFM, IFM.org website, there is a a place where you can find a practitioner. So I'm listed under Walnut Creek, California, if you are in that area and that's how you can find, you know, my office. But of course across the country, Chicago, right. you can find physicians through that website as well. And okay. what caused me to go from ophthalmology to functional medicine has been just a part of my whole lifetime journey, uh, as I can recall, one, one of the very earliest times I began to be aware that food, uh, the way that it's presented to us, isn't necessarily in our best interest, was I was still in my 20s. I was out of medical school, and someone asked me to do a public talk on the difference between butter and margarine, because you know how we were told, not to eat butter, you should, only, you should eat margarine. Right. So I, I did this um, research on that to do my presentation, and I thought, oh my goodness, Uh, margarine has problems in it that can be cancer-causing, you know, trans fats, and there's a difference between cis and trans, and etc. That was one of my earliest realizations that, wow, all food is not the same, and you can't pay attention necessarily to what you're told to eat. And uh, I certainly went back on butter and have been on butter (laughs) since my 20s, but then there's nuances about butter you need to know in terms of its source, too. So I'm not saying, oh, just eat a ton of butter, or all butter is the same. It's not. Those are some of the nuances you need to understand about uh, the science of food, but at the end of the day, between my children, myself, and understanding how food was affecting, uh, you know, behavior and mood and some struggles I was having around mood and realizing how sugar affects all that, I just came over time to really start to dig in, and it became a hobby. That's how it first started, and changing my food and et cetera. And then because I'm so interested in mind, in my psychotherapy training and other things that I've learned, uh, I begin to see the mind-body connection, and then I'm trained in neuroscience. So I've been following neuroscience since 1999, 98. And so over time, I myself, even beginning 20 years ago, I started practicing meditation and mindfulness. I started doing these things and I noticed major transformation in myself. So ultimately, fast forward, the ophthalmologist gave me in that role background on all of these diseases I'm currently treating. I used to treat the eye findings in all of these diseases. Uh, You know, I've done, of course, medical internal medicine training and general surgery training and all of that. Well, as I learned about the Institute of Functional Medicine, which I didn't know about either, and I didn't know what functional medicine meant, and started really opening my mind and looking into it, I thought, wow, here's the science of all the things I've been dabbling it and trying to, you know, learn on my own. It's all right here. And I jumped in and got, you know, retrained and continue and will always continue uh, to keep up with the latest science and training. So it never stops.
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, even as dietitians, we are required to maintain our license a certain number of continuing education hours. So it's the same thing with physicians. You've got to stay cutting edge. You've got to be up on the research exactly. so that you can be relaying to your clients the the latest and greatest.
0: Um, but, exactly. So I sold my ophthalmology practice, and now I, I've. Um, you know, as you know, I used to live in Chicago for most of my life, and now I'm I'm on the West Coast.
1: Right. You know, one of the focuses of National Nutrition Month is to get people to realize that food is functional, that it does, in fact, um act and has compounds that can heal the body. Um And so it's so important, the choices you make. And you shared with me yesterday some great stories about how you implemented um some of your therapies, including nutrition, uh, with a couple of clients and had... Really close to miraculous results, and I want you to share those stories with us now. You can.
0: Okay, well, uh, just a couple. So, for example, um, let's take the area of menopause, something as common as feeling moodiness and, you know, hot flashes and can't sleep at night. Uh, You know, I have a client right now who we haven't even gotten back all of her functional medicine testing, which I expect to be off in certain ways, and by the way, uh, the testing can give you so much more nuance and detail on how to use food to even affect the pathway of estrogen because there's a good, a bad, and an ugly, uh, so to speak, form of estrogen that uh, you want to be able to understand which pathway you are primarily using as a menopausal woman because you can affect it with food and nutrients to go down the good path better than, let's say, the ugly path. So um, the way, let's say, this particular patient I have in mind, she just in the earlier weeks of changing her diet from watching the alcohol or consumption, and if you are going to drink alcohol at all, you know, keep it maybe social, keep it to being aware of how much, and keep it to quality of you know gluten in it or not, et cetera. Right. Uh, there were issues around just changing that, changing uh, caffeine habits, because uh, some people caffeine really disturbs their ability uh, to have the right levels of uh, you know, neurotransmitters around that may make them more edgy or not. Mm-hmm. I know I am. I'm sensitive to to, to caffeine. It bothers me. Right. And there's sugar. Certainly sugar is going to cause weight gain or high carbs, eating too much pasta. All these things people don't necessarily think about can really throw off your hot flashes. You know, are you eating spicy oh, food, uh, yeah. all of that can affect your mood and the uh, ability to sleep through the night. Well, then through the night, well, then you can have this vicious circle. If you're not sleeping because you're taking in caffeine too late or you are um, having too much sugar on board and getting your biochemistry thrown off, well, if you're not sleeping now, all of a sudden you may be throwing off your whole adrenal system and your cortisol system and all of those things play a role. So what we notice right away in this particular person, uh, client, Mm -hmm. is that she already has relief from her hot flashes. We didn't have to even do anything with the hormones at this point. It was food related it was food more related. than anything else. Yeah, so absolutely. that's one example. Mm-hmm. Um, another was is an athlete who had had issues around endurance and energy and performance and in, uh, inflammatory, uh, you know, knees, that filling as, as well after heavy um, lifting it, or athletic activity. Mm-hmm. Well, there's the issues of Of powerful antioxidants. There are antioxidants that can really quell a lot of the inflammation uh, and oxidative stress that goes on. Uh, There's issues of uh, inflammation that can be affected by your nutrient support, your um, general food quality, like changing. All meat is not the same. There is a difference between. A cow whose gut is inflamed by eating uh, pesticide-filled food that, by the way, cows can't digest grain well, so it's going to inflame their gut. And then they have to be given antibiotics. And then, you know, there's this vicious cycle that we know from epigenetics, if you consume that meat, that genome of that cow can affect your genome. Right, And there's theories floating around right now uh, where if you eat a depressed cow's meat because he's unhappy and can't roam the grass and he's chained up all day and his head is, you know, captured, then that depressed cow, because they're mammals, by the way, and animals have emotion, then that could affect the inflammation in your gut.
1: Okay. So So listen, let me just ask you real quick. The So we're getting that, the foods you choose, if they have hormones in them, uh, the, the feed that the animals get. Um, and just in general, um, if you are making food choices that are causing inflammation in the body, you're just not going to feel that great. You're going to uh, tend towards being sleepy, maybe moody. Um, there was... One And if you could share it quickly, the story about the person who came to you with depression that was impacted within a month with food Mm -hmm. uh, therapy. So go ahead, share that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, just as I was saying, like a a cow that's fed off of grass and roaming the countryside is going to be better quality meat and less inflammatory and et cetera. So this person, this particular person, Mm -hmm. had uh, struggled with depression on and off their whole life in the first place. But in the uh, past year and a half, things really intensified with the anxiety. Uh, One thing that was really noteworthy in this particular patient was that their food was really deteriorated, drinking products that had really high levels of caffeine in it, eating all sorts of sugary stuff, processed foods, uh, no vegetables really, then, of course, their, their stress levels were high for a lot of reasons that things were not going well necessarily in the life, this person's life. Okay. But beyond that, all of this caffeine and all of this sugar... So,
1: you said within a month they were feeling better?
0: Well, yes. hmm And let me after, ask you this. After we changed the food, okay. we, there, there was no medication involved. right? It was so, changing things to grass-fed. Right. It was... Um, organic. It was getting off the caffeine and sugar, okay. et cetera. So literally after one month, this person kept telling me uh, within a couple of weeks, I, I'm worried that the, the sh- other shoe is going to drop. <laughs> this oh, is gosh. too good to be true. Right. So at the end of the day, after also combining, Roberta, I want to say, the mindset pieces with the food in right. this person, because as I said, I do some psychotherapy techniques right. to help him to stop help this person stop the ruminating and you know etcetera. Right. You put those two things together and I'm even stunned at how quickly things have turned around but the first step was really visible through the nutrition
1: change. Right. So let's just just to recap I think um you know obviously the focus is that the food choices you make do matter. You are in fact what you eat and That's um true. and that you need to be careful of who you entrust your health to. Uh, Dr. Ray, I want to thank you for joining me today, and um, how can our listeners reach out to you if they would like to uh, talk to you, those especially that are in California? Um, uh, should okay, we just well, uh, refer say, them to your um, website?
0: Uh, yes, it's uh, Valencia, dot com, and I actually have a medical license in Illinois, so I do do um, various things through telehealth coaching
1: okay so thank you so much for joining me today um and with that i'm going to wrap i'm going to say thank you for tuning in to figure facts for life podcast i'm roberta gennaro your host be sure to subscribe to stay in the know during national nutrition month and on our next episode we will be speaking with amy rantis jacobson owner of lean and an exercise physiologist and personal trainer we love our listeners and have. if you have any specific questions you'd like to hear covered, please head over to Figure Facts for Life on Facebook. Give us a like and drop your questions on our page. Thank you so much. Ciao.